In the third millennium, the world changed. Climate, nations, all were in upheaval. The earth transformed into a poisonous, scorched desert known as the Cursed Earth. Millions of people crowded into a few megacities where roving bands of street savages created violence the justice system could not control. Law as we know it collapsed. From the decay rose a new order, a society ruled by a new elite force, a force with the power to dispense both justice and punishment. They were the police, jury, and executioner all in one. They were the judges. Hello and welcome to Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone fan podcast, where we analyze every film in Sylvester Stallone's filmography. And this month, we are up to 1995's Judge Dredd. I'm Craig Cohen, and on this installment, I'm joined by Jeff Ferry. I am the law. <laughs> and very special guest, Captain Marvelous, who joined us for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Captain, welcome. I knew you would say that. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunately, um, prior commitments have prevented Mike Kunda from joining us and uh, Jeff Hewlett, both here in spirit, and we should be hearing from Mike at the end of the episode. You mean we'll be hearing Mike's emotions on the movie? <laughs> Emotions? There ought to be a law against them. <laughs> All right, so 1995's Judge Dredd, we were coming off of The Specialist, and I've often talked about sort of the trifecta of Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, and The Specialist sort of being a great one, two, three punch for Stallone. And is it fair to say, possibly, Jeff Ferry, that Judge Dredd is the start of what we could call the decline? Um, the interesting thing about it is with his decline, Stallone did it like he did all things. He went for it. I mean, it was not a slow, steady decline. He went down and in a big way. I, I like that they, they decided to make a movie. They're like, let's make a movie like Demolition Man, except like 60% worse in every single aspect. <laughs> I want lesser actors. I want a bad script, a bad director, poor visual effects. Just Just give me like a little bit less in each place. And I'm sure the movie will be fine. <laughs> now, Captain, you are a, a comic book guy. In 1995, was Judge Dredd on your radar? And what was your anticipation level for this movie like? Actually, I didn't know about Judge Dredd until I heard about this movie. And that got me into looking it up and, and finding out all things about it, which that character is, like, super cool. He's basically the Punisher, but he's a policeman. So it got me all into it. So I was really excited for the movie because I looked into all the research. So I figured, oh, this is going to be so cool. It wasn't. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, The Specialist. Yeah. And I loved your reviews. I was laughing the whole hour and a half or whatever you recorded on it, especially when you kept asking your policeman friend if, if you could slip off handcuffs by breaking your thumb or whatever. <laughs> Wasn't that an episode of The X-Files? Like a dude... Rips off his thumb and slides off the cuffs because he could, like, regrow it. Uh, you know what? The, the X-Files is a show that I haven't paid as much attention to. Surprisingly, I've seen the movies, but I've probably only seen a handful of episodes. Oh, same here. I think that was just, like, one of the ones I happened to see. It was this dude that could, uh, he had, like, lizard DNA so he could regrow parts. So he literally rips his thumb off so he can slip off the cuffs and then it grew back. 
Yeah, I would just get arrested all the time, right? I think that actually happened a couple different times, and they would have like different ways of getting out. Because I think one guy could like same kind of thing, you know, he was crossbred with some sort of alien, so he could like make his bones all move, so he could just slip out. He could he could like escape through like a sewer drain or something. That sounds familiar. Do you guys want to pause so we can go watch that episode and talk about it instead of Judge Dredd? Instead of this? <laughs> or literally literally any episode? Just pick one random episode out of the 170? Well, actually, the reason I brought up the specialist, was it? Yeah. Because the whole time you're talking about it, I'm thinking, like, I don't remember this scene. I don't remember this scene. And then I realized I was thinking of the movie X versus Sever. <laughs> So I, I realized I haven't seen the specialist. I thought that was X versus Sever, which is what Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu. Yeah, that's great. So Jeff, what did um, Judge Dredd mean to you in 1995? Uh, until this movie was announced, probably nothing. I think I was in the same boat as Captain Marvel. So after they announced it, you know, I went and tried to look up a couple of things, and it was the same thing. I was like, oh, this is a really interesting. Like, I think it was. A, it's all out of. It's like a British comic, and I'm like. So I asked a couple people who were more in the know than I. I was like. Well, tell me everything about Judge Dredd. And they were like, oh, you know, same thing. He's kind of like a Punisher character. It's really cool. It's got some interesting commentary. And uh, oh, we love it because he never takes off his mask. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, after opening weekend, they were not happy. Now, not that I l- really listen to, like, comic book guys because they will always whine and moan about everything that comes out. And this character didn't do this. This character didn't do that. Yeah, but uh, I think the film not being, let's say, great, and then also watching their character, who his number one thing was he never takes the helmet off, and just to watch it come off 15 minutes in, I'm sure they were like, oh, okay, I see. I don't think he puts it back on once it's off. I don't think it ever goes back on, no. Yeah. He Well, he tries to put it back on, and then uh, Diane Hershey, or Diane, Diane um, her yeah, character's Hershey. name is Hershey, Diane Lane makes him take it okay, off. Okay, that's her name. The whole time I was thinking she was... Um... Dr. Volta's wife. I forgot her name, though. Kelly Preston. Yeah. Kelly oh, Preston. We are losers, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to say, Judge Dredd, to me, um, I had a pretty good awareness of Judge Dredd in 95. As as a fan of the band Anthrax, you know, the song I and the Law is, is a good introduction to Judge Dredd and kind of encouraged me and my brother to, to find the uh, 2000 AD comics that a lot of the Judge Dredd stories were in. So, you know, the anticipation level on our end was high. And, Jeff, you brought up a good point with the helmet. And I want to get your take on this, guys, because I've always been of the opinion that Judge Dredd would work better as a sequel as opposed to a first film. Do you see that at all, Jeff, or or am I off the mark there? Yeah, my main problem with this film is, like, they don't seem to quite know what they're making. (laughs) Like, are they making... A serious movie that's you know gonna deal with problems in society and this and that or are they doing a judge dredge origin story or is this supposed to be like a kind of like a farce like a, a joking movie they kind of dip their toe into each spot and it never quite works yeah like, you have a scene with rob schneider inside of a weird spaghetti robot <laughs> but then followed up with like a very serious scene with like max von Sydow and like jürgen proch now i like what are, what are you doing like Everybody's in a different movie. And even, <laughs> even like the attitudes. So, for example, you have this whole uh, emotional thing with Dread and how he's hard, so he doesn't show his emotions or whatever. But then you, like you said, the scene before, you have a conversation with uh, Rob Schneider and and Dread, where he's like, "You could have jumped out the window 
Like, that's 40 feet down! You know? Like, oh. there's really no tone there. It's like, you, you say dumb comedy things. Like, the, you know, the scene where they're in the locker and he's, like, taking the clothes off that one cop. You, you almost expect the scene to just end with, like, the wah, wah, wah. I think if they would have taken, like, a, not a parody route, but like you said, uh, like, satire, like, it would have worked perfectly if, if you would have, like, just gone, you know, let's just go over the top, like they do in some scenes. Like, they blow up some dude's car because he, like, what, parked in a handicap spot or something, whatever it was, he was speeding. So they blow up his car with, like, a bazooka or whatever, and it's like, okay, so he's uh, over the top cop thing. Is this naked gun? What's happening here? Yeah. So I almost wonder, guys, so this film came out on June 30th, 1995, so that's summer movie season, and I almost wonder if this whole movie was sort of driven by its release date and, you know, the expectations of a movie, a big-budget movie at that, that comes out in the summer. This movie cost $90 million in 1995 to make. That is a very substantial budget. For comparison, in nineteen uh, what ninety three, Steven Spielberg made Jurassic Park for sixty five million. Yeah, that that always looks bad for everybody. Everyone must hate Jurassic Park because every movie within ten years of it gets compared to it. Of like, oh, how come your CGI looks so garbage in nineteen ninety eight when Jurassic Park came out in nineteen ninety four? It's like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. I would say I lasted maybe ten, twelve minutes in this movie, going, all right, it's not as bad as I remember. Maybe, you know, through the years, I've just thought it was worse than I... Oh, no, here we go. Uh, yeah, it's over now. Like, he takes the helmet off, uh, the villain hits the scene, and I'm like, I'm done. As soon as he has his legal battle... Oh, before I, 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 gotta, I had this written down, I have to mention it. Judge Dredd is our protagonist, the person I'm supposed to be behind. And from the minute he shows up, he's a huge asshole. And not in the good fun way not like in a robocop like i'm just doing my job way or just like in the punisher like this is just the way it is way like for as much as i hate rob schneider he's 100 percent right he's like i didn't do anything yeah oh uh, yeah it's like uh you're under arrest why because you were here oh okay so you're <laughs> you literally watch him wrongfully convict a guy and then 10 minutes later be whining because he's being wrongly convicted about something. <laughs> so before we get too deep, let's talk about the pedigree behind this film because on paper, things look like they should work. I mean, we do have a relatively fresh director in Danny Cannon who has really sort of made a name for himself in the last couple of years, uh, mainly, I'd say, via his involvement in the show Gotham. Prior to Dread, he had only directed one film, which was 1993's The Young Americans, which was a crime drama that starred uh, Harvey Keitel. Don't know too much about that. So that got him the gig on Judge Dread, I'd imagine. But if you look at it on paper, it's produced by Edward R. Presman, who I, I know went on in the 90s to make The Crow. It's got a story by William Wisher and Michael DeLuca, who ran New Line Cinema. And then a screenplay that's co-written by Stephen E. D'Souza, who we've talked about on this show before. Um, he's got some good credits as well. So on paper, it looks good. I mean, you've also got, in addition to Stallone, you've got Armand Asante, Diane Lane, Rob Schneider. Um, you already mentioned uh, Jorgen Prochnow and uh, Max von Sydow. And you've got music by Alan Silvestri. So, I mean, on paper, if you're looking at this in 95, you have to be pretty pumped for this, huh, Jeff? 
most of those I was pretty pumped about. Well, here, I'll compare. The movie I can most closely compare this to is Demolition Man. They're only a couple years apart. I feel like they're very similar. Totally. So you have a big chunk of this movie where you follow the villain, just like Demolition Man. The difference is in Demolition Man, when it cuts to Wesley Snipes, I'm 100% invested in what he's doing. He totally carries his half of the movie, and Armand de doesn't. Whether it's his acting or just like they're literally giving him nothing to do. I mean, he's not a good villain. His, I guess, other villains that come in, like where he just randomly gets a female assistant like 70 minutes in. <laughs> and we're like, what? what's going on here? Like, why? Do, who's this person? Like, I guess they're your bad guy too? It's like somebody forgot, like, oh, crap, there's a female judge. We got to have a female for her to fight because, you know, God forbid a, a female fought a male. Like, this can't happen. Yeah. It was, it was, that's where it, a big part of it for me is like you give Stallone a third rate sidekick and then you have him have a third rate villain. So it really emphasizes a lot of other problems with this movie. Okay, so I think we should probably start from the beginning where we get, I think, the first sign that a movie might not be the best unless it's a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and that is the opening scroll. And this one is narrated by James Earl Jones to give it that extra little bit of gravity. Now, Captain, do you want to try and tackle this opening narration? Now, actually, before the narration, I believe, they have like, um, like nowadays, they do the Marvel Comics logo and it scrolls all the comic book pages. Yeah, you get all the Dread covers. It's awesome. You get all the Dread covers and you get the actual Judge Dread logo from the comic. Now, that actually uh, reminds me a lot of... Now, this is... I don't know if it's a fair comparison. It reminds me a lot of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm. Because of the way the Super Mario Brothers movie started, it started with this weird, like, computer... I would say computer animation. It's actually just, like, 2D animation done on a computer. <laughs> It looked like a like an old Atari game or something. And they do that whole thing where they kept mentioning, like, this ain't no video game. That's kind of like how this Judge Dredd intro reminds me. It's like, here's the comic. And then they go into the live action stuff. Like, this ain't no comic book. <laughs> so the whole narration is like, like you said, it, it, and it's actually just text on the screen i don't believe there's like any backgrounds or anything like any fun images over it nope i don't know if, if you already brought it up the dread 2012 movie not yet no i'd love to talk about that at some point during this episode because you know i think it it answers a lot of the questions or proves a lot of the critics wrong about you know things they they chose to do for this movie and they said oh it would it wouldn't work any other way and then Dread 2012 says, well, you know what? It does kind of work that way. <laughs> Dread 2012 is legitimately one of my top ten favorite movies ever. That movie is amazing. Well, they nailed it. They nailed the tone. They nailed the execution of the character. They had an actor that was insistent on keeping the helmet on. So, <laughs> so usually, like, main characters are kind of boring. Like, Batman, if you really break it down, he's kind of like just gloomy, boring dude. And that's what they did with Dread, where he's just like this mysterious figure who's always angry. So you can't really work with that unless you change it. So you say not to change it. So you're mo more in the uh, putting yourself in the role of the rookie. You're looking at things through her eyes instead. Yeah. In this movie, it's like they try to put you through Dread's eyes and make you go through this emotional roller coaster with him when his character is supposed to be like this dude who doesn't show emotion. 
Which is the frustrating thing, and I want to talk about how unnecessary Rob Schneider is, but I just want to get through this narration. Rob Schneider vehicle. (laughs) Or Rob Schneider as a person. Yes. Yeah. Now, Jeff, I know a lot of times you're, you're really good at sort of correcting writing problems that Stallone movies have, but are you of the same opinion that, you know, that I am that, you know, if you're doing an opening scroll or, or setting up your universe, you might be starting behind the eight ball. Yeah, it is. A, that is a hard thing to pull off the opening text crawl. And especially because this is not like a quick one. This is not a sentence or two or like in the future. Why am I reading? I don't want to read. The reason I brought up dread is because they also do an opening scroll but you have everything being shown to you as if you're watching sort of like uh you're gonna look at the history of this city from the computer screen like if like once again like if you're a rookie cop learning the history of this stuff so they have like they show you the landscape and and what these mega cities look like and what the streets look like while the scroll's happening Mm -hmm. so you're looking at things that they're telling you so you get a visual of it instead of just Letters going up with a voice telling you what's happening. Let's say you have a really active imagination. You just thought up of this whole great thing, or you're a big fan of the comic book. You just imagine this comic book come to life, yeah. and then they show you all these like really bad Super Mario Brother the movie sets. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thing is, you know, on-screen text is definitely effective, but it's in how you use it. And I think, you know, your, your comparison to Dread uh, 2012 is good. And then also Jeff alluding to the fact that it was just so long, which almost makes me think that's why they brought in James Earl Jones to sort of <laughs> make it not seem so intolerable. And then the, the story itself is like, like you said, it's a mess. It's uh, what the city was ravaged by like nuclear war or something. And now <laughs> now everybody le- lives in these cities that are mega cities. And now the police are judge, jury and executioner. And there there's like... People don't follow the law, but there is law, but there isn't. So it's like, like you said, it's it's really complicated. It's just confusing, especially when you have nothing to really look at while you're just watching letters. Yeah, and I mean, the frustrating thing is it, it's so easy to set up that universe in that opening sequence, which I think is a pretty good opening sequence. I mean... You know, any movie like this, you want to start with some good action and, you know, you know, you have those those riots going on or whatever. And you have Dread hit the scene. He announces, you know, that he's the law, which is kind of groan inducing. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure how Stallone approached this role or if he was in a mode where he even really gave a shit about what he was doing. It's hard to tell whether Sly was invested in this movie or not. I do enjoy the... um the opening scene and we get that sort of um um who's the um uh james remar we get we get what i guess could be called a cameo because he's not in the credits jeff do you have any feelings on the on the opening sequence and the introduction of judge dread like i said i still it's the best part of the movie it's the only part of the movie that gives you any hope that something good is going to come of this because you're like okay if this is what the movie is i'll tell you what they should have done is, like, because you have this part in Mega City, there was no need to ever leave Mega City. <laughs> like, there's no need to go out to the wastelands, all that garbage. Like, you set up a world, you give me a what seemed like a 45-minute long intro text about Mega City, and then 20 minutes later, I'm outside. Like, I, what yeah. happened? Like, yeah, you get the whole scene, you get the James Remar thing. Now, half the information you're given in the opening 
could have been given to you exactly this scene um yeah. as they say in everything you show don't tell mm-hmm. you could have had even if it was as cheesy as having another one of the group mention something about like is there some way out of here blah 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 or like if once dread gets on the scene they're like oh my god it's judge dread he's this this and this yeah he's and the worst of judges james uh, remar Loved that costume so much, he decided to use it again in Mortal Kombat Annihilation when he played Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so, you know, uh, Jeff mentioned, once again, they don't know what they want this movie to be. You start off with great action, uh, Hershey. And, okay, I always confuse Officer Hershey with uh, Sandra Bullock and Demolition Man. I always confuse the names. I always, I always feel Sandra Bullock was called Officer Hershey. <laughs> or I guess it's Judge Hershey. It's really surprising that Stallone opted to do Judge Dredd after Demolition Man because, you know, just staying in that sci-fi lane just seems like, it just seems so out of the norm. And and I don't know if this was just, it really feels like this movie was just, Stallone got a huge paycheck for it Mm -hmm. and was like, okay, give me the money and show me where to stand. Yeah, because like I said, you get the great intro, great action. They're shooting, you know, at the judges from the windows. Uh, Hershey's like behind her back. I need backup, and the rookie like wants to rush in there. She's like, "What are you nuts? We gotta wait for backup." And you're, oh my god, this how are they gonna get out of this? And then Stallone shows up, and he like, I don't know, like uh, it reminds me like a cowboy type parody where he kind of like stomps his way to the center, and then they're like shooting at him, and he doesn't move, and they're like, "Are you nuts? Take cover!" And he's like. The bullets only reach 200 millimeters for them to harm you. What are you doing? And it's like, okay, is is this a comedy? Like, was he a? It reminds me of something you would see like in Hot Shots Part View. Yeah. Like where he, he's standing in the center, and the bad guys are just blowing up everything around them, and he's just standing there, you know. And then you expect them to like get a paper cut or something, and that brings them down. Yeah, so we get reintroduced to to Rob Schneider, who I guess we had seen in the earliest moments of this film, who had just gotten released and uh, sent to his new home. And I really am trying to find, aside from quote-unquote comic relief, the need for this character. Because, Captain, you made a, a, an excellent point where in movies, you know, when it's well done, your, your sort of characters are sort of your, the viewer's eyes. Now, Rob Schneider's didn't really play that role. So, Jeff, what was Rob Schneider there for? That is a good question. Um, <laughs> I I think he was supposed to be comedy relief slash the audience perspective. He's supposed to be your outsider looking at this. But he doesn't quite play that role. See, this is where he, again, we fall into like them half-assing into a character. He's not quite the, the outsider not knowing what's going on. Like, he seems to understand what the judges are and what they do and like so he's not like totally unaware of that it's like he's new in the city and had never seen his judge before he's also not what's the word funny <laughs> uh, which is not not 100 percent his fault i guess because they don't give him i mean for whatever you say about him they give him nothing to work with no um, yeah no memorable like one-liners or anything the most memorable thing i can remember about him was i saw him on a talk show when this movie came out so I don't even remember what talk show it was. Might have just to date myself and the movie. I think it might have been Arsenio Hall. Mm-hmm. He tells the story. Remember the scene where there's the explosion or they're running from the fire. Yeah, yeah. And he says they're setting that scene up, and he's like, he walks out and they have their marks down on the ground, and Stallone's mark is three feet further ahead than his is. 
So he was already like, what the hell? Why does he get to start so much further away from where the fire is going to be? And then he's like, then they start lubing up the back of Stallone's back with this mm-hmm. fire retarded stuff. But they're not putting any on him. And he said, he said to Stallone, like, well, how come they're putting that on you? And he said, I don't know. I guess I'm just more flammable than you are. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that and I'm Sylvester Stallone and you're Rob Schneider. Like, we'll just replace you. <laughs> well, the funny thing about watching this movie is there were moments where I could see where you could cut around Rob Schneider, and I, I haven't researched it, but I'd, I, I'd, I'd almost imagine that there's got to be a fan edit of this film that takes out about 95% of the Rob Schneider, and I wouldn't say it would make the movie any better. Well, you could make it more colorable, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you could replace anything he does, basically. I mean, if you had to, if I was doing a rewrite and they were like, hey, get rid of this character, I would just beef up Diane Lane's role and make her do more. Yeah, yeah. but I mean... I think there's only one key moment in this film where Schneider does anything, and that's at the very end when he disables the robot. Yeah, and then again, he has his, like, his one line, he's like, hack you, uh, and yeah. Her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you forgot to mention he's a hacker. Because <laughs> Rob Schneider, he, he looks like a computer whiz. Well, it was the 90s, and, you know, the mid-90s, you know, the, with the fresh craze that was computers, you know, hackers were sort of the big thing. Think about it. Oh. This is like the only window in time where Rob Schneider gets this role. Yeah. Like if this movie's made like pre-93 or like post-97, he has no chance getting it. Hmm. Oh, okay, Craig, off the top of your head, do you know how tall Stallone is? Not as tall as he should be. Um, He's not a tall guy, right? Maybe 5'9". Okay, because when you mentioned that Rob Schneider was saying that Stallone was like three feet ahead of him in that one shot, now, okay, you know, it's a funny story about how Rob Schneider is replaceable. But the first thing that came to my head is he was probably closer to the camera so he would look bigger. Because in this movie, Stallone looks like he's friggin' tiny Lister. He looks enormous. Oh my God. I, I agree with you 100%. I can think of the scene that probably put that in your head, too. When he's meeting with the new cadets. Yes. For some reason, he's two feet taller than all of them. He looks huge, and he looks huge. I don't know how tall that Diane Lane is, but she looks like she reaches up to like his like belly button. I think he was wearing like those kiss boots. <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of the of the kiss boots, big credit right in the opening credits. Judge Dredd outfit designed by Versace. Mm. I don't know why that's that's a big thing, but it's there, and and even the Versace is actually the Versace logo, not just letters. Yeah, and it said, but if you read, it's weird, because if you try to read the behind the scenes on it, it says, like, they didn't take the Versace stuff, so who the hell knows what's going on? Diane Lane is 5'7", by the way. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing I don't understand about that is, when you've got a comic book, you don't really need to design too much. No. Oh, listen, and they still did a piss-poor job, because that whole outfit looks like a like a plastic Tonka truck that they're wearing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these guys are, they, they're supposed to be, you know, they're, they're running around the city in their bikes and, and they're stopping crime and they're always getting into like scuffles and everything. But their outfits, their shoulder pads are super shiny and brand new. There's nothing gritty about it. Mm, very good point. So we kind of get to the, the start of the plot here where we've got a news reporter who we see a couple times. Uh, an actor named Mitchell Ryan, who... Uh, um, Dharma and Greg's dad. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, Greg's dad, I believe. 
He's a face I've seen. I've seen a lot. Um, he was also the 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 doctor in Halloween Four, Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, see, now when I see him, I think he's he's the he's the bad general from Lethal Weapon. Ah. <laughs> oh right, yes. Okay, yeah, he's he's got a a, a pretty good uh. A pretty good filmography, and it looks like Captain he was in the Paul Rudd uh, yeah. Halloween movie. Yeah, that's oh the one. Um, part six. Yeah, six six six. The yeah. Curse of Michael Myers. He was the one that ran the cult that uh, made Michael Myers into a killer, the Thorn Cult or whatever it was. Well, thankfully, the new Halloween movie sort of retconned all that out of existence. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was about the that best. one. Is that? Can we talk about how, how that movie's better than Judge Dredd? <laughs> <laughs> is Stallone in that movie? Can I, uh, does he show up at some point? <laughs> so, so we've got this news reporter who sort of we see a couple times and he's very critical of the judges and Dredd in particular. And then basically he is murdered and Dredd is framed for that murder. Do either one of you want to take a stab at sort of running us through this section? Go, go okay. ahead. I, I want to see someone try to explain this. <laughs> okay, so what, what leads up to the murder? There's this... So there's this guy in prison who the... one of, like, the main judges goes to visit because he doesn't... he was supposed to, like, be killed or something, but they kept him alive because his, his DNA was valuable, I believe. But then they do this whole stupid thing where he gives him a gun and he shoots the dude in the throat and then he can't voice command the machine guns to turn off. <laughs> so then the like these security guards that look like beefed up stormtroopers run in there. Now th- those costumes look ridiculous. They look like giant um like giant stormtroopers uh, mixed with that uh what's that that movie Hero 6 that Disney movie? And they have that Big Hero 6. Yeah, and then they have that beta, whatever, that little big fluffy marshmallow dude. That's what these security guards look like. They look like him in Stormtrooper outfits. Oh, no. And then this dude beats him up, and he escapes. And then he goes to this pawn shop where they have a judge gun. Now, the judge gun's supposed to only react to, like, they're, like, DNA imprinted or something. So if somebody that's not a judge tries to shoot them, it'll blow their arm off, which... We, in the opening scene, we see somebody pick up uh, one of the judge's guns and try to shoot it, and all it does is turn him into like a bad, like blue effect on him. He mm-hmm. just kind of gets lasered and falls. But this pawn shop guy's like, "No, don't touch it! It'll blow your arm off!" <laughs> and then the the dude like picks up the gun, shoots the pawn shop guy, and then actually, this is the one thing I love about this movie: that robot. That animatronic robot dude. No, he's great. He is awesome. That and the scene with the uh, that we get later on with the Angel family, I believe they are. Mm-hmm. Those two things got me really excited for this movie because I used to read um, Wizard magazine. Oh yeah. And you know, it was a big comic book movie, so they would do a lot of articles, and they would have some really great pictures of like the robot and this other dude. And I remember I used to love to just sit down and like draw them. Because I thought they looked amazing. So anyways, this guy, Rico, not the WWE wrestler, which, oh man, I wish. That would've, now, that would have made this a good movie. With the sideburns. With the sideburns <laughs> and his uh, suit with tiger stripes. Uh. 
So yeah, Rico is supposed to be Dredd's clone. Well, no, they're both cloned from the same DNA, right? Oh, is that it? You know what? This always this this movie confused me as a kid because for some reason, whenever I hear the word clone, I just think always like an exact clone. So the fact that Rico didn't look at all like Stallone always just confused mm-hmm. the hell out of me that they kept calling them clones. And all, all they are is they're both wearing those really bad blue contact lenses. <laughs> Stallone looks ridiculous <laughs> with those like super, super light blue eyes. I think Hollywood has a clone problem. It's like It's like the ultimate buzzword. And the clones in this movie are absurd because... You know, I know we're jumping around here, and and we we seem to love to do that. At least I do, but I don't I don't want to forget it. But you know, you've got the accelerated clones where you can develop a clone from inception to um to full adulthood in eight hours. But there's no mention of the mental development, right, Jeff? Oh no! Like, <laughs> how do they come out? Are they like ready to go? Like when they come out, or are they? Because they're saying they're at that point. That's the end of the movie where we're finding out that they're going to be direct clones of Armand Asante. So are they just going to be him when they come out? But he says brothers and sisters, so there's going to be female Armand Asantes? Well, and for once, somebody makes a good point when Dredd says to him, like, you're out of control. What do you think they're going to be like? <laughs> like, you're a sociopathic maniac. Like, they're going to be the same way, you moron. They're going to kill you. Yeah, but they're not going to know how to talk. They're not going to know. Like, shouldn't they even, like, not even know how to walk, technically? Yeah, because they never explain any type of, uh, like, Matrix programming where they're just going to, you know, wake up with all this knowledge. Well, all they here, talk about is just the DNA. Well, here's a here's a way to solve this. Instead of having this movie take place over what seems like two days, maybe have it take place over the course of a year. Yeah, like, have it get sent away. And yeah, then, that like, would have made the exile more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, like, yeah, so Rico's the clone, and then he gets a gun, and he... he so this, this dude, uh, Dharma and Greg's dad, he's in, like in his living room with his wife. And then the door opens, and you see the, uh, somebody in full judge armor. And he just screams, he's, Dread! Judge Dread! And then he gets gunned down. Well, I think he's got the Dread name tag on. He's got the name tag, but Thank God. He, had, he had to say the name because when they show the security footage, you don't really see like the front of him. You see like the back of him. It's like the worst security footage ever. I mean, like, for a society that has such advanced technology, security cameras are just terrible. Yeah. Nobody caught him walking out of the building or anything. It was just that one living room shot. <laughs> and he had, if he didn't go, Judge Dredd, then, like, they would have just seen a judge did it. They all looked the same with their same armor, so. Yeah. Th- that footage was not as good as the Patterson Bigfoot footage. <laughs> it's like it, that could be anybody that could be Mike Kunda in that thing <laughs> it's like oh it's a random guy it, it'd be the equivalent of if somebody from where you work put on your clothes wore a hat had your name tag on and shot somebody and the cops are like well it's obvious you did it look that looks then, got a name tag on the guy called out your name but then you would be your back would be facing the camera and then the person you shot would read your name tag out loud Jeff Ferry <laughs> it's like oh it's an open and shut case and don't even get me started uh, somebody just explain to me why is he even get a trial <laughs> exactly everybody else gets, gets judged a, on the spot exactly if, if you're sent what judge killing a judge is an automatic death sentence dread even says it mm-hmm. 
So well, they, just killed a rep- they just killed a reporter. I mean, this is America. Oh, yeah, you're right. They killed a reporter. A but I think line. he says, like, death or something for... If, or killing somebody is just an automatic death sentence. But... And then this is, I think, after right after this scene is when we get the weird scene with the dude who's uh, speeding? Or what is he doing? That he gets pulled over and he acts like a jerk. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense because it kind of shows, like entitlement in Mega City 1, but it doesn't seem like that would be something that would really work. That whole scene sort of didn't make any sense to me. It was like the guy had multiple parking violations or moving violations, but he was still sort of outraged that he was being taken to task for it. But then it's, even it's it, it, it it's shows the fun version of this movie. That's Yeah. Because <laughs> then it also shows, what it shows me is that other than Dredd, nobody takes any of these judges seriously. Because why is he screaming at her? Shouldn't he be, like, scared that they're going to kill him over something so minor? Like, that's the Excellent whole point, point of this thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. these judges, people, or at least the reporter, is reporting the view of the public, which makes them seem like they're out of control. They're killing people for jaywalking. But this dude's just, like, screaming at her. I, I could get you fired. And then they, like, blow up his car because it's funny, I guess. <laughs> And then right after it gets blown up, you get, like, a squad of, of like, these other judges walking to arrest, uh... We get, keep getting his full name. Joseph Dredd? Yeah. So... Yeah, Max Von Sydow loves saying Joseph for some reason. So, we have a whole sort of trial where Dredd decides that he wants to be represented by Diane Lane, who does a pretty good job defending him, but in what would be considered the smoking gun of the case, we learn that the gun, the lawgiver that each judge uses, imprints the user's DNA on each bullet, which is sort of a shock even to Judge Dredd. Now, Jeff Ferry, does this technology make any practical sense? No, of course not. But uh, we have to have some way that we have. Apparently, they didn't think the audience was going to buy the video footage <laughs> as being the smoking <laughs> gun, so you got to have something. I mean, no. you've seen other movies where... Like, they're lawgiver guns where you can't fire them unless you have a... Th- like, I mean, it exists today where you got to have your fingerprint to make it work. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is a kind of a next step to that. But it also seems odd that they don't know that. And that the judges sitting on the council know that that other thing exists. Like, they know who Dredd is. So they know that it's theoretically possible that he has an exact duplicate. And none of them think about it. You find out later they were all in on it. All the and, main and you the figure they judges. all knew he escaped. Yeah, so they're I mean, all one like, of them's oh. dead. Yeah, oh, I guess there's no other thing it could have possibly have been. <laughs> now that whole courtroom scene to me had me like screaming at the TV because we get that one dude who she's like, oh, well, he's an expert in Photoshop or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> was that Balthazar Getty? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then and then like you said, then the the other judge is like, okay, then we bring up this exhibit and the gun imprints DNA and the lines. You know, Diane Lane's like, you can't use that. No, we didn't know that. I'm like, you're judges. How the hell do you not know that? That's that's something that wasn't Dread teaching them the cadets that, like telling them like it imprints your DNA, so only you could fire it. Only judges could fire it. He was teaching them that at the school. How did nobody know that until they brought it up? I'm like that should be just basic information to a cop. So that whole that whole scene, especially that Photoshop guy, that had me because I think she says he was like a like he considered himself an expert, so it wasn't even like he was an expert. 
Yeah, and, and he gets what, like one more scene in the, in the movie where he like discovers that the baby picture of Dread is the only thing real in it is the baby. The clearly photoshopped picture that comes with the frame at Walmart wasn't yeah. a real. Picture. I mean, this movie. I mean, let's just say it. This movie just reeks of the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's just hackers all over the place in this thing. What we were missing yeah. was like the product placements for fast food. <laughs> so then we get. In order to save Dredd, Chief Justice Max Van Saito, he resigns as judge, and uh, he asks that uh, the council spares Dredd's life. So Dredd is sentenced to life imprisonment instead, and then um, Max Van Saito has to go on the long walk, which he basically gets sent out into the cursed earth to dispense justice, which it doesn't seem like he's really well equipped to do that, right? Um, Captain, he's not even given any gear or anything. We just send the bold man out into the desert. <laughs> isn't, isn't, like, in um, The Dark Knight Rises, that's what they used to punish people. Make them go out and walk into the wasteland, and here it's like, that's his, that's what he gets after retiring from being a judge? <laughs> yeah, and this is like most other books where this is like the punishment. It's the same exactly. thing in, like, uh, in the Dark Tower thing. It's like, you're gonna be sent west. They just send you away. Yeah. It's like, go dispense justice. It's like, okay, what the hell does that mean? Basically, it's like, old man, go out there and die. Because yep. I don't want you in here. <laughs> so then we get uh, Jürgen uh, Prochnow becomes the new chief justice, and he basically um, tells Rico to just crime it up in the city. At that point, Dredd is being taken to the, the penal colony, and this is where Rob Schneider... Fergie, which the, the Fergie name makes me laugh so much because I just think of the Black Eyed Peas every time they refer to him as Fergie. But if they were going to take off Dredd's helmet here or in this movie, I think this is the scene where they should do it. I think it would have been the only logical time to do that. But instead, you sort of get the gag where, you know, uh, Rob Schneider notices his chin. Now, overall, do we want to talk about the helmet here? And, and Jeff, do you think... It was more a case of, you know, Presman probably being like, hey, we're paying Stallone 20 plus million here. We need to see his mug. I'm not sure which of these two things happened. Either they were like, well, we're gonna, we have Stallone in the movie. We need to see his face. Or Stallone's like, I'm not wearing that home with the whole movie. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, yeah, it makes more sense to you have it be part of the ceremony, which you've seen in many other movies of. Uh, we're stripping you of your stuff. They should rip all the mm-hmm. stuff off. They should take his helmet off. And it should be a big deal. But that would mean that every other judge would have to add their helmet on the whole movie. Because otherwise mm-hmm. it makes no friggin' sense why people are... And then if you did that and he had his helmet removed, then the Rob Schneider thing would still make sense. He could still figure out who he was. And as soon as he re-entered the city, the first thing he should have done was put the helmet back on. Yeah. But obviously they weren't doing that. No, they uh, have Stallone in the movie. They had to show him. I think that that was it. The other reason is I, I think many, like many writers, directors feel they can't have a character like cover his face for an entire movie because it won't show like what they wanted, like emotes. But Dread is supposed to not be emoting or anything. He's supposed to just be this guy who wants to like kill you for the sake of justice, and that's it. But I mean, RoboCop came out ten years before this. That guy is completely covered, and you know everything that he's feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being like the big sticking point for us. That was like the first big takeaway from leaving that movie in 1995 was like, 
wow, they took his helmet off. Like, it just seemed akin to, like, taking a luchador's mask off, you know? <laughs> and, but but with no payoff. That was the issue. It's not even like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand it's a movie. You're going to do stuff. You're going to take the mask off. But, like, it's off in 15 minutes and never back on. It reminds me of the difference between when the original X-Men came out in 2000 as opposed to, like, today, where you have costume superheroes. They wear – basically, they wear exactly what they wear in the comic books. They act like they do in the comic books, whatever crazy weird stuff they do. Where back then they were like, oh, my God, we can't have people in outfits. They need to wear black leather. Mm-hmm. You know, the people won't understand unless we explain every single thing that's happening while it's happening. Which is what Judge Dredd was, where it was like, oh, my God, we can't have he can't wear this mask the whole time. We're like, look, in 2012 when Dredd comes out, they're like, of course, he's going to wear the mask the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got an actor who's like, listen, I'm not doing this movie. Unless I'm behind the helmet the whole time, which is so commendable. You know, I'm so impressed by Carl Urban for sort of having the commitment to the character to be like, yeah, I'm not interested in this unless I have the helmet on the whole movie. Yeah, you have to know if you're the one starting to make this movie and say it's today, say it's 2012. And instead of Carl Urban, they were trying to cast, uh, I don't know, Tom Cruise or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I don't want to wear the helmet. Then you say, thanks. It was great to have the meeting. Next. That's it. You're done. (laughs) Like, go on to the next person. You'll find somebody else. And also, I mean, Stallone has a very recognizable, like, you know, lower half of his face. Yeah. So it's not you like you mean, wouldn't be able to tell. Like anybody's, nobody's going to be watching it going, I wonder who that is in there. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be like uh, Mr. America, where everybody knew it was Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> he's still got the, he's still got the, the same uh, beard. Yeah. yeah, and the hair hanging out of the back. It'd be like if you put Hulk Hogan under a Judge Dredd outfit, and you'd be, mm, who is that? I wonder who is. Yeah. Oh, you don't know who it is, brother. <laughs> I am the law, Jack. <laughs> Wasn't there a uh, Juan Cena thing for a while too, there, he, Captain? Or is that just no? That's when um, Cena got fired, quote unquote, from the Nexus, and he was Juan Cena for like uh, I think it was Juan Cena for a couple of house shows, and he was wearing <laughs> a luchador mask with like the same jorts. <laughs> So obviously Dredd had to take his helmet off just because of the plot of this movie. But I think, like you said, Jeff, if they had done some kind of ceremonial thing where stripping him of the helmet sort of, um, you know, had some weight to it, it would have at least made it feel like it mattered. You know what's um, what's a what's a perfect unmasking scene in Watchmen when they show uh, Rorschach getting unmasked by the police? That's how this yeah. should have felt. Oh, he's like, don't take my face! Don't take my face! Yeah, and they beat <laughs> the crap out of him. They ripped the mask off, and he's screaming like, "No, give me my face back!" And he's like, you know, like if they tore a part of him, and this is just like, oh, he just doesn't have it now. <laughs> it was just an accessory. He forgot it on his bike that day. So we're on this ship that's going to the penal colony, and Rob Schneider, Fergie, recognizes Dread, and he kind of tries to illustrate the fact that, you know, how can Dredd be there if he's innocent? And if Dredd's innocent, doesn't that mean Fergie could be innocent? And this is really the only reason I can see for the character to sort of show Dredd that he was possibly wrong. But it doesn't really do anything, because it's not really a, a moment that changes Dredd as a character. Here, I'll, I'll fix the problem for you. I was just thinking about it. Um, don't make him a comic sidekick but have him just be like a normal guy and he can have the same conversation like hey you see like maybe i'm innocent too and then when he gets back to mega city have him get killed (laughs) 
and then it actually means something to him. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's my fault this guy's dead because I sent right. him out here, yeah. and when I bring him back, he dies, and it's my fault. Yeah. Because even the conversation they have, he's like, the law doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> you're, you're, oh my god, you're there! <laughs> it's not like you're in a cell, like he's in a cell and you're on the outside. You're sitting next to him, handcuffed, about to go to prison for life, and you're still saying the law doesn't make mistakes? <laughs> like, you know, like, ah, uh, that, that was just, ah, uh, frustrating. <laughs> So now this is where things really pick up, and I got to say that, you know, this movie has a runtime of what, uh, it's like 95 minutes or something, that's including credits. God, it felt longer. <laughs> oh, well, 95 minutes uh, of the opening crawl, right? <laughs> yes, not counting the crawl. So there's a guy on the ship who obviously has a bone to pick with Dread because, you know, Dread, it seems like, has arrested or sentenced just about everybody on that ship. But this guy has a knife. Now, Jeff, was I momentarily looking away from the TV? How did this guy get a knife? I got to be honest. I, I didn't see him grab the knife. I think he just had, like, not a real knife. He probably had a shank of some sort. It didn't seem like it was a knife. It was just like a blade of some sort. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was just so stunned because that's right when we're having the real intense Rob Schneider Stallone moment. <laughs> I guess I was so focused on their unbelievable chemistry, I didn't see the toothless moron behind them. <laughs> so there's um, the guy tries to kill Dredd, and Dredd disarms him, and then Dredd gets a gun, right? And that's what causes the ship to crash? Well, no, they shoot it down. They, the Angel family. Oh, the right, angel. The, angel, the Angel family shoots so, it down. So, again, uh, the whole trying to stab him means nothing. So there was yeah. no point in having it. Because they were going to go down anyway. Yeah. Like, why, didn't, why didn't we get, I mean, you said it's night, like 95 minutes. Just make it make it two hours. And let us get some scenes where Stallone's in prison. And that's where this guy tries to stab him. And then we, we find out, like, you know, like the inmates, like you said, they have a bone to pick. They're trying to attack him. But then it turns out he's such a badass. They're all scared of him now. Because now he's, you know, like, like in Batman Begins where he's beating up the prisoners and the guards are dragging him away. And they're like, for protection. Like, I don't need protection. They're like, protection for them. Why didn't we get that scene? <laughs> or, or again, going back to Watchmen, when uh, they try to go after Rorschach in the prison, and yeah. he yells at them, I'm not trapped in here with you, you're trapped in here with me. You know, I had a yeah. scene where Stallone throws a pan of uh, frying oil on Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> so, goodness, I can't believe that, yeah, the whole stabbing thing isn't necessary because we get the, the Angel family led by... Um, the dude from The Walking Dead that passed away recently. Oh, yeah, uh, Herschel. <laughs> Forget his yeah, name. Yeah, Scott, Scott Wilson. Now, Captain, you said you really, really dug the Angel family. Do you want to sort of run us through this sequence? Okay, so that, to me, this is actually the best scene of the movie. Like, if you're going to watch any of this movie, it would just be the scene with the Angel family, and that would be it, actually. And maybe you could get some clips of the of when Rico turns on the robot, because it looks really cool. <laughs> So the Angel family is like a, they're just like basically an inbred, they're Texas Chainsaw Massacre out in this uh, wasteland. And it's like this old dude who has a, what does he have, like a giant land stick that blows up the ship that breaks it down. You got like this Jonah Hex looking skinny other redneck dude. <laughs> there's there's four of them, I believe. Yeah. I don't even remember the third one, but I know the, the fourth one, really big dude with like a half a metal head. 
the mean machine, right? Yeah, and he ha he has like a knob that they turn up, they turn on his head to make him angry or or pacify him, and he looks really badass. Like he has like the weird zombie eyes. He kind of looks like a like what would actually be like a cool redesign for like an action based Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he's like really big and muscular. He has like the like like the zombie type face. Like I, I think he just looks really cool. So they shoot down the ship, and then they capture Stallone and Schneider, because they're the only survivors, I believe, right? <laughs> of course. And, yeah. So they have them tied up, and I believe they recognize who Judge Dredd... Oh, no. Rob Schneider calls them Dredd, and this happens a Blows couple of times. Blows his cover, yeah. Yeah, he, this happens a couple of times, where he keeps calling them Dredd, and then people are like, Dredd, that's him? Like, I don't know, what, you know, whatever. And then he says something like "Hallelujah!" So the the angel family releases Rob Schneider because they, you know, he thinks like, "Oh yeah, we're all religious." And Stallone's like, "Let me tell you something about your new friends. They're cannibals." <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, then, like I said, this is the best part of the movie. And then they have uh, the mean machine guard him. Stallone, I forget how he manages to get loose. No, see, and I wanted to talk to you guys about that because that's another thing where did I miss it? Because it seemed to me like Dredd just gets loose. Yeah, like I think like Mean Machine or he headbutts him or he head, or Mean Machine headbutts Stallone, I forget, and then he just kind of like jumps loose. <laughs> and it's starts all a blur. Yeah, because yeah, I mean there's really no – they're not showing you a scene where like while they're having conversations, he's either like cutting the rope or untying himself somehow. He just – action breaks the ropes. <laughs> so I actually pulled up Mean Machine on the uh, the internet here, and uh, I actually found out what the dial settings are, at least in the comic books. Do you guys want to hear that? Oh, boy. <laughs> so one is surly, which he'll just be surly and disagreeable. Two is mean. Three is vicious. And four is brutal. And then on occasion, when he does a headbutt too hard it gets stuck on four and a half, which causes him to go berserk. Come and on. He, he's... <laughs> that was an easy dial it up to 11 joke that they didn't go with. <laughs> now, I, I want to look up the actor who played him, because I don't know if he was probably some bodybuilder or a wrestler or something. Christopher Adamson. Um, he's 6'3". He was also in uh, a couple of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And he played Dr. Lang in 2017's Leatherface. Okay. That's like, and, and I, I just uh, texted you about that a couple of days ago. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually, it, it has its problems, but compared to the other Texas Chainsaw sequels, it's actually really well made. <laughs> but yeah, okay, yeah, that's where I've seen him. Yeah, he plays like the doctor of the mental institution where they have uh, Leatherface in. Doesn't really do anything other than just be a jerk. Mm. Yeah, I think you could have taken this this time when because this this time when he's with the cannibals flies like they're yeah. there and they're like, hey, we're there. Hey, they're gonna eat you. I'm free. You're all dead. We're out of here. You're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> like it's real fast. You yeah. could have made this this scene five minutes longer and had maybe one other person survives, so they have somebody to kill. So there's actual danger. So, you know, this other rando that survives the crash, they kill him. And then, yeah, like, well, you guys be, are next. Have it be another cop, and then have, like, 
Dredd protect them so the cop even sees like, oh, well, maybe there was a mistake. How can Dredd be going to prison if he's helping to protect me, you know? He tells his sad tale of like, oh, man, I have my, I was one day from retirement. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's like some rookie who, who's like scared. Like, see, we, we just came up with a whole character arc. Yeah, you have this or- rookie, you have this rookie who's like, it's like his first day on the job where he's close, you know, he's just started. He's really scared. And Dredd is kind of like, even though he's a prisoner, he's kind of taking him through the steps. Like, you know, just be calm, show confidence, you know. And then they crash and he survives. And, and then he's the one that gets killed. And now you kind of feel bad because even Dredd was kind of like, oh, man, he didn't deserve this. Plus, if we had five minutes here, then I could delete one boring ass Armando Sante scene. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and, and then uh, he kills everybody, and I think one of them survives, or one of them gets up. I don't remember if it's Mean Machine, and then the old man shows up. Mean so Machine that's... gets up. Yeah, okay, so that's when uh, Max Van Saito shows up and uh, saves the day, and then he gets stabbed by Mean Machine, who's mad that Dredd killed the rest of his family. Yeah. So I guess that's how we got our... That, that was the character we needed that was like, oh, he, he's another guy that got killed by them. They're danger now. Well, no, really, Max Van Saito has to come back and die just to basically spell out the rest of the movie for us. So <laughs> right before it, we get the scene where Baldessar Getty and uh, Diane Lane are looking at that picture, and Diane Lane's giving Baldessar a hard time because he analyzed the wrong picture, and then... He says, well, the whole picture is fake except for the baby, which I guess is supposed to be a big shocking reveal. And then Max Van Saito basically does that reveal for us where he lets Dredd know that he's a clone. Real clunky storytelling there. But I guess it does sort of set up the rest of the movie, which is the new Chief Justice, um, Griffin, his plan, Jeff, is to... Get rid of all the current judges and replace them with easily controlled clones? Mm-hmm. Is that his plan? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it seems like he wants better control of them and that they'll have more of them because he doesn't like, you know, he wants to crack down. He's Because he was the judge that, like, no, we got to crack down harder. You know, we got to start blowing people away for, like, nothing. <laughs> you know, jaywalking, <laughs> boom, you're dead. You know, that type of thing. But wouldn't you think that if that's your plan, wouldn't you want Judge Dredd? to sort of be on board with you because... But he does say that. He says that he didn't... I, th- I believe he says that later. That he wanted Dredd brought into the fold. He didn't want him. He wanted him, like, kicked out, but he thought they could bring him back later. And Armando Sante's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. But there's so many other political ways he could have gone about this without murdering journalists and framing Dredd. Oh, it's, it's a completely half-assed villain plan. <laughs> yeah, because it's Dredd the character, he's already fine with just killing people. If the law He's says, all about it. He follows the law to the letter. Like, he's not He's not going to decide if this is... A, like, you got the example with Schneider. He, he hid in that robot to save his life, and he says, well, you had the option of basically committing suicide. So then, like, if they change the law to say you could kill somebody for jaywalking, he would just do it because that's what the law says. Yeah, he wasn't gonna ca- he wasn't gonna be Captain America and be like, whoa, 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 this isn't right. He was gonna be like, okay, that's what we're doing now. That should have been it. Could have been the story where they changed the, these laws, and then you know, Dan Lane is trying to to get to him, saying like, no, you're better than this, or you know, 
that could have been a better story. Um, mostly anything could have been a better story. Is this the point in the film where we get basically the Judge Dredd version of Order 66? Oh, yeah, where they just they set, they set up all the judges to be killed, or at least a lot of them. I would have loved if they just started playing uh, Eric Clapton's Layla. Or... Yeah, <laughs> just like in Goodfellas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so basically, while that's going on, we get Dredd and uh, Fergie are trying to find a way back into Mega City. Fergie says it's not possible, and Dredd says, well, yes, it is. Uh, a couple years ago, two guys got in through the vent system, and there's a whole joke about how they didn't make it, but it's their it's their chance. And this is like the typical Hollywood setup where you've got a device that goes off in intervals, and it's our hero's way to uh, get through something. Did you enjoy this sequence, Jeff, where you sort of had... Dredd and Fergie going back and forth every 30 seconds before they finally go in because I thought, if anything, that this was the only sort of effective Fergie scene. <laughs> I mean, it was as effective as they could pull off. Yeah, I would have rather they'd found some way to get in and, you know, Dredd's like, oh, you know, this is the way we get in is we do this, this, and this, and that's how we get in. And then it didn't work. Mm. And then something went wrong, and then there's the fire. Instead of just being like, oh, there's going to be fire when we go in. Why? Because it's a fucking video game. That's why. Because you fire for no reason. <laughs> it's like the no. ship in, uh, what the hell's the, the Star Trek uh, thing that, with Tim Allen, the fake one. Galaxy. Galaxy. Oh, why are these presses in here? I don't know. Just because. <laughs> like, the there's ship. no reason oh. for this fire to be here. Oh, and I, but at least in that movie, there was a reason, because the aliens saw the TV show, and they were just in the show, so they built yeah. them in there. Yeah, but in the show, there's no reason. So, like, there's yeah. why is this fire here? Like, there's no reason. It's just this. The countdown always I stopped that way. Like, hey, we're supposed to, we're going to get in, we have to do this, this, and this, you know, you can hack this system, right? And then it doesn't work. You know the, the biggest, like, blunder from this scene, right? From the fire tunnel? Okay. So, they're standing... And the fire shooting at them. Oh, no. And then it comes from behind. Yeah. But when they get in the tunnel to run away, they're, they're running into the tunnel. So the fire should be coming forward at them. But then they're running. And all of a sudden, the fire is coming from behind them. Yes. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's Santa Ana wins. It's El Nino. Don't worry. It's nothing. It's just... <laughs> this movie reminds me so much of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Even the setting... In Super Mario Brothers, you got where they escape Koopa, they go into the desert, and then they need to get back into the city, and everything just looks the same. It's like this desert, except I think in Super Mario Brothers, it's at night. And then they have a scene where they escape through a tunnel where they like slide like a happy fun slide. <laughs> and even the, the look of the people of Mega City, which I noticed for some reason, it, it just looks like a bunch of like punk rocker drag queens. They kind of look like the people from the Super Mario Brothers, like extras. There's so much about it. It, it. I always wondered, like, is this like the same cinematographer or something? Like, did they just borrow sets from that? Yeah, or the same sack decorator. I was thinking that, too. Yeah, everything looks a lot. It just looks a lot, a lot the same. So bad I couldn't get a freaking, uh, what's his name, King Koopa. Yeah, I would have rather had Dennis Hopper in this movie. Yes, Dennis Hopper. Oh, my. Imagine if Dennis Hopper would have been, like, they could have had a scene, uh, a plot where Dennis Hopper is like one of the main judges, but he's just insane. <laughs> I 
I would take him in any role in this film. He could have been one of the judges. He could have been Ron Asante. He could have been Rob Schneider. He could have been the Photoshop guy. That would have been amazing. So now we're really driving towards the end of this film. So we get the new Chief Justice convinces two other high-ranking judges to unlock the, the Janus Project, which is the ability to clone. And it's funny that the Chief Justice would need permission from lower justices to do something. Does that make any sense, Jeff? Is it like the... Uh... It's like self-destruct on the Enterprise. You got to have two other people <laughs> yeah, <I figured laughs> sign off on it. Some sort of checks and balances thing. Yeah, so he basically sells them on the idea based on the fact that the turnaround time for the clones is, is only eight hours. And we already talked about all the problems with Hollywood cloning. Did we already mention the the bad guy girl that just shows up because Diane Lane needs somebody to fight against <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Joe Chen just shows up for no reason. Like, who the hell is this lady? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she turns on a dime, too. She's a good guy, and then uh, Rico just says, like, well, do you always do what they tell you? Or something like that, and that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to use, what, the DNA that was on file they were going to use, and Rico decides to switch it out with his own DNA, and, and Joe and Chen's really not on board with it. But then, yeah, I guess he calls her a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> The old Marty McFly move. Yeah, and she changes her tune. So at that point, we cut back to what Dread reunites with Hershey, and he gets Hershey back on board with her. And then we sort of just free fall to the end of the movie, which takes place in the the Statue of Liberty. Oh, God. <laughs> did we skip the scene where they're flying in their motorcycle? We did, yeah. He's flying. He's like flying on the motorcycle. And then Rob Schneider gets on the other motorcycle and saves him right before he crashes. Yeah, because, that scene. yeah because we get that dumb thing where there's a billboard that keeps turning on and off. And then Dread barely gets through it. Then so like two more cops get through it. But then the last cop like smashes into it. Why would you have a billboard that like shoots lasers or whatever? Shouldn't it be like <laughs> light that they could just go through? It's a billboard. Or supposed to be a billboard. I don't know. That, that always bugged me. And then the effects... You know, we mentioned how they had, what, like $90 million budget or whatever it was. And these effects are just bad, even for the time. I mean, that whole scene reminds me of that Star Wars prequel where they're flying around in their in their um, taxi cab or something. Yeah, they have a taxi yeah. and they're chasing a bounty hunter. I, I got to yeah. say, I think I hate this even, I hate this a little bit less than that one. Yeah, that's a, it also reminds me of um, almost, almost. Like Fifth Element or Sixth Element? What's that movie? That Bruce Willis Fifth movie? Element, yeah, yeah. Like the scene, the like they did that so much better. The whole scenery that than this. This kind of you could just tell when anything is a painting. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, Captain. I don't really think they understood what Mega City One was. Well, me- Mega Cities are are supposed to just—they're basically ghettos. Yeah, everybody's poor. Everybody's like struggling, and then you got these cops trying to to keep order in the city that's falling apart. You know, it's hanging on by a thread. But here, they try to make it this fun, neon-filled city that's like punk rockers took over or something. Yeah, well, and it falls into that trap that, like, everybody that's seen Blade Runner that had access to designing a movie was like, oh, it's it's in the future. Okay, um, let's see what Blade Runner did and, and just sort of go from there. Yeah, yeah, it is basically just let's do Blade Runner. <laughs> It's like, let's do Blade Runner, but poorly. (laughs) 
So at, at some point, the chief justice realizes that um, a city full of, of Rico judges is a bad idea. So he sort of has a half-hearted face turn. Really, it's just a self-serving turn. And he gets um, ripped from limb to limb by the uh, robot. Captain, I know you said you were a fan of this robot. Do you want to uh, get into that? So the robot, actually, I think he looks really cool. He moves really clunkily. So I honestly, like as a bodyguard type thing, I don't think he looked, it looks like it'd be very efficient because it looks kind of like, he moves kind of like, um, uh, Cracks on Friday, uh, Robocop, uh, Ed, Eddie. Ed 209. Ed 209. That's what he moves like. It looks like he would just be boarded by a flight of stairs. Yeah. But the thing about Ed 209 is at least Ed 209 sort of had some protocol. Yeah. You know, programmed in, whereas this robot seems like, Unless you're giving him instructions, he's not doing anything. No, because even when he turns them on, he just says, like, you know, commander. And then he gives them his name, like, oh, Rico. And he's like, you know, mission. And he, what, he says something very cheesy villain-like, like, take over the world or something. <laughs> now, Jeff, what purpose do you think this robot serves in the Judge Dredd universe where you have human beings dispensing justice so so how does the robot fit into the equation or is it just a cool robot for the end of the movie well i think it's a cool robot for the end of the movie but it's also it's earlier on you're almost led to believe like did, were they going to use these at some point like kind of how they were going to use ed 209 and like these were going to be like the police force but armand asante just seems to like hey look this guy's in this uh shop where all my stuff is so i'm gonna take him because it doesn't seem like he put him there on purpose because he starts him up and he's like Yes, you're a bodyguard. You're my bodyguard. You work for me. Oh, yeah, that's nice that he's just there for you. I think in the comics, like they they were used for past wars or something like that. Yeah, he needed something to like overpower the judges. Where yeah, it just couldn't be him because he doesn't have he doesn't have goons. He has no goons. It's just him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, he has a uh, Maggie Q at the end, but she doesn't really. <laughs> And he's got his, what, his, his 60% baked clones as well. Yeah. And I think we see the the clones for, what, like one, two-second scene? Oh, yeah. Apparently there was – I think they shot more, and it's not in the cut. There was, yeah, because apparently there, there, there is a fight scene somewhere. There's one scene where somebody is down, and then the clone, like, breaks out of its glass case, and he just looks like a white – like an albino dragon man or something. Yeah, and apparently the last thing to develop when you're growing to full size is your mouth. Yeah, and then that's <laughs> it. Like, I don't think we see anything of them again, right? No, so with the see sequel, them, like, popping out, and then they, they take care of a couple of them, and then they're like, oh, I guess they're gone. So would the sequel have been, like, Dread having to kill these clones that are now out and about? Or like Craig said, are they just standing there because they don't know how to walk or do anything? <laughs> Uh, there's yeah. a, uh, I don't know, did either one of you watch the Netflix show Altered Carbon by chance? No. Uh, we started to. Very, very interesting concept. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but like at some point in there, there's a scene where one character has to fight like 10 copies of another character. <laughs> so it's like a clone after clone after clone just keeps coming and fighting, and it's like all naked time fighting, which you watch some of the show, you just know it's naked time from beginning to end. And it's like a long five-minute scene. It's so well done. And then there's this where it's like, ooh, look at the ghoulish zombie guys coming out of the thing. And you're like, what is this? And that was at the end of the movie where I was like, 
they need to shut this down because I'm so done with this. Well, pretty much we've get an encounter between Dredd and Rico where Rico pretty much tries to bring him to the dark side. And, you know, he tries to convince Dredd that he's got no family and that, you know, Rico's the only family he has. And it really seems like he doesn't understand where Dredd is coming from. I mean, Dredd had previously judged Rico, so... The idea that Rico thought he could turn Dredd seemed a little misguided to me. Well, they had that whole scene where Dredd is, like, crying, and he's like, you had me sentenced my own brother. <laughs> and, like, there's really no payoff. I mean, they kind of just buy Like, they didn't, they didn't have any flashbacks or anything showing them how they were friends. We, we, we were just told they are. And they both have blue eyes, and that's really yeah. it. There's really no it's connection. A- there's really no... Yeah, no connection between them at all. That's a perfect example. You're told something happened. That's this whole movie. You're told something happened. You're never shown any of it. You're just like, oh, these guys are best friends. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's half-assed character development, but Dredd doesn't end up at the end of this movie anywhere different than he was at the beginning. Oh, no. He has no story arc at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's a straight line. Maybe he's, like, moderately less of an a-hole than he was in the beginning, but, like, you're not even showing that. You're just like, maybe he is, because he kind of walks right past Rob Schneider at the end. So it's like, did, did you learn anything? No? because yeah, the right. whole thing was, I, I have to uphold the law because the law's never wrong. And then he learns that they made a mistake, but it didn't really change his mind in anything. And even, like, that, that last fight, like you said, it just feels like it's Star Wars. Like, oh, this is uh, Darth Vader and Luke. <laughs> He's going to turn them to the dark side, and there's even a giant pit to fall into. Yeah, so we get the moment where Fergie saves Dread by disarming the robot, and then Rico's gun is the only reason Dread doesn't die is... Rico's gun was out of, what was it, lethal bullets? He yeah. only had non-lethal bullets left? Yeah, that was dumb. What? That was an awful, awful moment. <laughs> I just hate in movies when there's moments where the hero would perish if not for just dumb shit happening. Yeah, it's complete and utter luck. It's like your your main character's about to get killed and the bad guy has a heart attack. Yeah. Like, what? I had to rewind it because when it first went off, I'm like, what? Like, did, did I, I had to rewind it like a couple minutes to be like, okay, was this set up and I missed it? It's not set up. Like, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff works like, like if you're Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. But like, Judge Dredd shouldn't make it through the end of the movie because Rob Schneider was able to disable a robot and Armand DeSante's gun didn't have any more lethal bullets in it. And then he gets a second shot at him because then Stallone proceeds to get his ass handed to him and get thrown off the side of the Statue of Liberty. And if the guy didn't make a villain speech, he'd be dead again. <laughs> so Dredd activates a flare, which distracts Rico, and then Rico falls to his death, right? Yeah, that's it. He just falls. I mean, they even did a, in the 2012 Dredd, they have a scene like that where Dredd is out of bullets, so he's using whatever the heck he can, whatever's left on his gun. And that's really well done. You know, the whole movie... The gun is telling him, like, he's, you know, like, armor piercing, and the gun's telling him, like, you're out, or you're low, or whatever. So we're getting, throughout the movie, he's running out of ammo. It's not just lethal piercing. Oh, you're out. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually, like, the ticking time bomb, which is a great movie device. And, yeah, 
and, and even, even that last fight was really like underwhelming. He had a better fight with John Lithgow and the cliffhanger. I don't know. There's really nothing exciting about it. They kind of just punch each other and he falls over. This might be one of Stallone's worst boss fights. Like, yeah. um, if you're listening right now uh, and you want to go on the Slack-ass Facebook page, tell me a movie that we've already covered where there's a worse fight at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Jeff. I think people are going to be hard-pressed to find one. Yeah. So then we basically just get, like, a, a parade for Dread when he gets back. All the judges are like... Oh, oh but you, you forgot to mention that after uh, Rico gets killed, he's not even, like, the final boss because then Maggie Q shows up with a gun. <laughs> And then uh, Diane Lane, like I said, she just turns bad guy so that Diane Lane could have somebody to fight. Yeah. Yeah. This is the old, like, 70s, 80s action movie thing where, like, oh, we've got a female uh, with the male. She's got to have another girl to fight. Yeah, they got to buddy up. Yeah. So then, then, like I said, she shows up with a gun. And she's about to kill Dredd, but then she gets shot. And that's it. <laughs> what, like, and why did she care? Why did she even give a damn? Like, exactly. Oh, why, like, like, all of a sudden, she just... She's so angry that this plan that she wasn't really behind is spoiled. <laughs> this plan she just heard about 45 minutes ago. Like, why wouldn't once she see that Rico is, like, incapacitated or that Dredd's in the, on the case, she would just say, like, he forced me into it and that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Guys, I think there might be some, uh, there might be some holes in this plot. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> so Dredd basically gets the hero's welcome. Baldazar Getty gives some bullshit excuse for why um, Dredd isn't guilty. What? Uh, Central, oh, oh, which is... Yeah, I don't know where. Oh, the Central computer was recording the whole thing. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, uh, what? what was that set up? A hundred and eight of our judges got killed, but let's throw Dredd a parade. <laughs> yeah, so then he's offered the chief justice position. He says, no, um, you know, I'm a street judge. Diane Lane kisses him and... Puts his helmet back on and we roll credits, right? Yes. Yeah. So God. He, he he gets the girl just because the hero's supposed to get the girl. It's really okay. for no I mean, other reason. Yeah, because yeah. they're, they're I mean they show that she's a good friend with him and they kind of flirt, but there's never really any romantic like presence there. Not that I felt like that should not have happened at all. I almost feel like Dredd should have been like uh, unwanted advance, uh, you know, and chart <laughs> you know charged her with something. Yeah. You know, unwanted advance on physical space. Yeah, yeah. And once again, you know, I hate to keep bringing up the dread, you know, the better dread movie, but they do that same thing at the end. Him and the and the rookie get out, and all of a sudden they're not in love, or she kisses him or anything. She just walks away, and he just kind of stands there and tells the superior judge or whoever she is, like, like yeah, she passed her training, and that's it. Like, yeah. it's a nice moment because now you know. It shows that he fe- he feels that she's worthy of, of being a judge, and you know they, they don't have to kiss, or all of a sudden there's this love interest there. Like he's just dread; he doesn't need it. Yeah, Jeff, do you think there's any way this movie could have been saved? I mean, it would have to be saved before you started shooting. In casting is another place where you could have really have done some helpful things here. Like we said. If you rewrite the Rob Schneider part, you can make him a sidekick, but I would have him killed half to two-thirds of the way through the movie. Mm-hmm. I would beef up Diane Lane's part, make her not quite as big as him, but like a bigger part of the movie. And you got to get a better villain. I mean, when your whole thing is like you're Judge Dredd, 
he's supposed to be this imposing, really badass character. He needs to have a badass villain. I mean, his villains he fights in the first 20 minutes are way more interesting and way more dangerous. The cannibals. Yeah, Mean Machine. Yeah, and they're supposed to be like a minor bump in the road. Meanwhile, like Armando Sante, for whatever you may think of him or his acting, is like, he is not your bad guy. Like in Demolition Man, like Wesley Snipes is a threat. Mm-hmm. He's his equal, if not better. In many of his movies, like that's the whole thing. Like you got to have the other guy be a challenge to him. We laughed at Cliffhanger about him fighting John Lithgow. John Lithgow was not his physical equal, <laughs> but he was smart and had a gang of maniacs. Yeah. He had a goon squad, so that that evened the playing field. Meanwhile, Ron Vasante's got nothing. He has the robot. That's it. Yeah. There's so many aspects of this film that make me think that Stallone just didn't give a shit. It's always hard to watch those Stallone movies because you know when he is invested, he'll really, really deliver. And and the movies where he he's not, uh, you know, a lot of times the results are just disastrous. Yeah, you'll find it's hard to believe, uh, Craig. I, I read up, and it said that apparently Stallone and the uh, director uh, did not get along. <laughs> I mean, I know we've heard that in at least two-thirds of the movies that we've done. Uh, a few, before we go, a few other tidbits. Apparently, there was supposed to be a, a Diane Lane nude scene. Ooh. Apparently, uh, she wouldn't do it. It was supposed to be like a butt shot, and she wouldn't do oh. it because I think Stallone was supposed to do one, too. And she's like, I don't want to be compared to him. <laughs> uh, the other one, the only other piece of information I had was, and I don't know how verified this is, but Stallone apparently wanted Joe Pesci to be his co-star instead of Rob Schneider. Okay. That was his original that. pick for that role. And then Pesci was like, no. Yeah, well, Pesci was probably like, I've done Leo Getz in how many Lethal Weapon movies? Well, I think he was more like, I don't do science fiction. <laughs> it seems like what he said. <laughs> yeah. And then so he's like, so instead I think Rob Schneider. Could you imagine that? Like how excited the person probably was at first. Like, oh man, he's going to try to convince Joe Pesci to be in this movie. And then they're like, uh, instead of him, we're going to get Rob Schneider. And they're just like, damn it. <laughs> I actually, I have a feeling they, they kind of uh, wanted Schneider because they probably saw his role in Demolition Man. And like, oh, they have good chemistry together. Imagine a whole movie with them. Oh yeah, that always, that always works out. <laughs> I almost feel like Rob Schneider had compromising photos of Stallone on the set of Demolition Man doing something with those seashells, and he was able to hold it over Stallone's head to get him a part in Judge Dredd. It's the only thing that makes sense. Now, I do want to point out um, there was one good thing to come out of this movie, and that was that there was a video game based on the movie. Right. Slightly based. It didn't really quite follow the movie story. Now, what platform was out at the time? Uh, was it was it Genesis or? Yeah, so this the game Judge Dredd was out for the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. I played the Genesis, and dude, I rented that game all the time. I remember renting it and then having to return it and like sitting at home trying to strategize how I would get past that one spot that I couldn't. And it's a it's a pretty good game. I'm not gonna say it's it, you know it'll blow your mind. It's uh, a little above average. It's really freaking hard though but it, it's pretty good i wouldn't pay exorbitant amounts of money for it but if you find it like at a swap meet you know six bucks or something totally get it worth your time does dread keep his helmet on the whole game yes actually <laughs> <laughs> and you know the graphics aren't bad the music's pretty good they have a system where you can shoot the enemies but you don't always have to kill them you know you shoot them enough they'll raise their hands up and it'll say surrender and you could actually arrest them 
and this little machine comes and takes them away, and you get more points for arresting people than killing them. So I thought that that's pretty cool. Mm. So this was based on the movie. I mean, the cover of the video game was basically the cover of the movie, which was just uh, Stallone's face with the helmet. Mm-hmm. There was, around the same time, another game based on Judge Dredd, more on the comic book. Uh, it was released on arcades by the people that made Mortal Kombat. I believe it was a claim. might have been a claim or Midway. I always get those two confused. But, dude, that game is awful. So <laughs> it's a side shooter. So it's kind of like uh, like if you're playing uh, Final Fight or Streets of Rage, but you're shooting people. And it looks... Uh, I, I suggest you look it up on, on YouTube. It actually it looks like really weird. The characters are like kind of claymation-like. So it kind of gives that look of the comic book, but it's just so awful looking and, and weird. The, it's one of those quarter stealers where 20 enemies will just appear and kill you, so you put in another quarter. And it, I don't know, I suggest you look it up. It's so weird. But like I said, the only good thing to come out of this movie is probably that game. And it's not like it's anything that's mind-blowing, but I'll, I'll try to sneak in one positive in there. In 2008, Stallone gave an interview to Uncut Magazine where he looked back and called it a missed opportunity. He says, um, ultimately, it didn't live up to what it could have been. It probably should have been much more comic, really humorous, and fun, which it seems like he doubled down on the stupid there. (laughs) But uh, it's always interesting to see Stallone sort of reflect on on his misses and... uh, I don't think, even if he was more invested, that we would have gotten a, a dread that worked for us. The tone is so over the place. I mean, imagine if this movie would have been like a hyper-violent, like, a, like Jeff mentioned, like a satire. Imagine if this movie would have had like that level of comedy and violence, that balance, like um, Kick-Ass. Imagine Paul Verhoeven directed it. Exactly. Like uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage was awesome as Big Daddy. And he didn't have to be all over-the-top, you know, comic booky. He was actually kind of playing it straight. I mean, he was doing an awesome Adam West. But imagine, like, this movie. If Dredd is, like, the straight dude, he's just, like, the, you know, he's always angry and serious. And everybody else around him is kind of just, like, over-the-top. I think that would have worked. But they went through comedy, seriousness. They didn't know whether they wanted to be, you know, Star Wars or Blade Runner or Naked Gun. <laughs> <laughs> so jeff ferry any final thoughts on uh judge dread which uh, uh amazingly enough we made it through we were judged and uh i guess we were found uh found not guilty yeah our sentence was to watch the movie <laughs> it's it's not even one of those it's not even the problem is if somebody asked me like hey should i watch this movie i would say no no yeah. the reason for that unless you're a stallone completist or you know you just like right, watch the first like 20 minutes of it Watch through like the cannibal scene, and then you're good. You can stop. It's it's not even like fun bad. Like he has yeah. some fun bad movies too, where you're just oh like, totally, or movies yeah, that are totally. just crazy. Like you have like Tango and Cash, which I love dearly. It's super over the top. Everybody knows what kind of movie they're in. Like okay, this is a crazy action movie. Everybody's on the same wavelength, and that's the kind of movie you get. Demolition Man. We're making a fun, you know, futuristic kind of action cop buddy movie. Okay, that we're all on the same wavelength. Then you have this movie where everybody's going in 15 different directions. The art direction's going one way. The script's going another way. Your main actor and your director are making two different movies. So that's a problem. So that's what you end yeah. up with this. where you, It's one of those movies where 
if you went and saw this in the theater, you realize halfway through, I am not getting my money's worth out of this movie. This is <laughs> this is not one of the good ones. But don't worry, if I know Sly Stallone, his next one will be a rebound. <laughs> Captain, as sort of the you know the non-sly perspective on this panel, uh, any final thoughts on Judge Dredd overall? I say if you want to see a fun, like uh, apocalyptic city type, you know, movie, watch the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> now, while it's not a good Mario movie, it's actually like a pretty fun sci-fi movie about like fish out of water guys. Like, that's what this could have been. Schneider could have been the fish-out-of-water dude getting into the city where he doesn't know about the cop, the judges, or any of that. But if you want to watch a really good Judge Dredd movie, watch the 2012 Dredd. That movie is, as I said, it's seriously one of my like top ten movies. That movie is so really, really great. So yeah. go watch yeah. that one instead. This one, as Jeff mentioned, is not really worth your time. It's, it's really hard to get through just because the plot is really complicated. It's not interesting. It, you know, it gets really boring at times. There's really not that much action to hold it up. I mean, just in our review, what action scenes did we talk about when they fought the cannibals and then the, when they introduced them in the beginning? And that's really it. And then, <laughs> then I guess a bike gets smashed by a billboard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the fight at the end, is, it's, it's not good. So there's really, like, not much action. So you can't even watch it for that. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately. The general consensus on this one is it's a big whiff for Stallone. If if you have feelings, good or bad, about this movie and you want to share them with us, you can go over to the Slycast uh, on Twitter or on Facebook and let us know your thoughts on the film. So, guys, again, we made it through Judge Dredd. Captain, your sentence is, is over so you can be released back into the wild. But, Jeff, next time you are going to sit down with the rest of the crew where we'll be covering 1995's other Stallone release, Assassins. Unfortunately, I, I apparently have a life sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Assassins, isn't that the specialist, or am I thinking X versus Sever again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this was a lot of fun. You made uh, talking a, a really uh, difficult movie uh, a little bit more fun, so... Uh, so thanks, guys. And before we get out of here, we are going to hear from Mike Kunda. Take it away, Mike. So I know we normally discuss strictly Sylvester Stallone movies, but I'd just like to take two or three minutes and go off topic here. Uh, I'd like to talk about a movie that was completely based around and ruined by Rob Schneider. You may have heard of it. It's a movie called Judge Dredd. Um, I've seen a lot of turkeys in my time, and I got to tell you, nothing, and I mean nothing, was worse than the Rob Schneider movie, Judge Dredd. Now, some of you listening to this may say, Mike, why are we talking about a movie that doesn't showcase Sylvester Stallone? So my answer to that is, is... Okay, Stallone is in fact in Judge Dredd, but it's a very, very minor, minute role. The true star here is Rob Schneider. And Rob Schneider is a horrible actor that ruined Judge Dredd. Stallone's performance was by far the standout best. 
well, I guess the ABC robot might have been a little bit better. But as you can tell, this Rob Schneider and Armin Asante movie uh, is one of the worst movies of all time. So I'd just like to conclude that the Rob Schneider movie, Judge Dredd, was absolutely horrible. I enjoyed Stallone's acting. It was not overacting at all. It was sublime. Sylvester was excellent as always. And if it wasn't for, you guessed it, Rob Schneider, I believe this movie could have been truly spectacular. Uh, okay, on a little serious note, uh, the director of this film, what was his name, Marco Brambilla, I think we remember hearing uh, at one point an interview that Stallone gave, he had a lot of problems with him, that he was a bit of a neophyte director, really didn't know what he was doing. Or was it a case of Sylvester Stallone being at the peak of his ego and the two not gelling uh, quite well? I don't know. Uh, I think, personally, it was another Sylvester Stallone. I, and I mean that in all seriousness. I think that was a Sylvester Stallone who hadn't lived life yet. I mean, in a certain way, he did. But we see now, all these years later, how hard life hit Sylvester. And I just don't think we'd ever see that man again who worked with Rob Schneider. I've heard Rob Schneider say he'd never work with Stallone again, uh, but that's okay. I'm quite confident Sylvester has no need to put Rob Schneider in Rambo 5. So, um, I don't know. Judge Dredd, I watched it the other night. I was goofing with the guys on Messenger from Slycast, teasing them what a horrible movie it is. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's it's kind of okay, but listen, it's still a Sylvester Stallone movie. We got to see it, and uh, a friend of mine I get to see in the background, Tony Montebano. Uh, he plays one of the young judges as uh, Judge Dredd drives away on his bike. He's cheering in the background that Dredd has his helmet back. Uh, the one thing I did hate, Sylvester Stallone and blue eyes. Not a fan. That's right. I looked at his eyes. It was love. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I will say this. In conclusion, I've always wanted a lawgiver. So I think that was one of the coolest looking guns to come out of the movie. Double whammies. This room has been pacified. I think it's, uh, I think it's had, it had its moments. I've enjoyed it. And I can't wait to hear what the rest of my crew on Slycast has to say. So thank you very much.